Hi, this is Nicole Roberts-Jones, and welcome to the Faith, Purpose, Profit, what I like to call the FPP podcast. What I know for sure is that one of life's greatest gifts will meet you when you go after living as the highest and best version of who God created you to be. So here's where I share thought-provoking insight and behind-the-curtain conversations that will activate you into your next level. See, I'm not here for who you already are, but for who you have not yet become. And I want you to get this. One idea from these episodes can make a remarkable difference, not just in your purpose-focused business, but in your life. Also, make sure you join the conversation in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com. Now grab your pen as we begin today's session of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. We're continuing in a series to, this is part three in that series, The series is called More Money, More Purpose. And again, money is a conduit for you to do the thing that God has called you to do. And I need you to get clear on that. And that is why I believe God dropped all this content in my spirit, but why I'm excited about everything I'm teaching you. So let me do a little review before I tell you our topic for this part three of the series. So part one, I broke down what I mean by more money, more purpose, and I gave you our foundational Bible verse, which is 2 Corinthians 9, 10. This is the foundational Bible verse for the entire series. And that Bible verse says, now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now understand that God is your supplier. Now, supplier means a person or organization that provides something needed, such as a product or a service. And so I need you to get that God is your supplier. What he supplied in you, imparted in you, and invested in you is that DNA, that distinct natural ability that he gave you at birth. And in addition to giving you that, he also supplied you with a way to serve people that need you. And the supply that comes back to you is money because we need money to live. So again, if supplier means a personal organization that provides something needed, then money is also needed for us to live. So that's part of that supply chain, dare I say. (laughs) So I dug into that deep in part one and understanding how God is our supplier and how he gives us seed. He expects us to sow, but he keeps giving you seed so you can continue to sow. That seed is money. The more money you make, the more meaning you can create in this world. Part two, which was last week's conversation, is your own living trust, your own living trust. Now, uh, the definition of a living trust is the assets or, or the purpose of a living trust, I should say, is a transfer of assets. Usually said death, but sometimes there could be other stipulations. I use Bridgerton for an example. I'm not going to go into that. But I want you to understand the assets that God imparted to you are your gifts and talents your DNA, your purpose, the way he wired you. And so this perfectly moves into our conversation for part three, by the way, if you've missed any of our conversations, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to them. Part one and part two, or the two obviously before this episode, (laughs) go to fpppodcast.com. Again, fpppodcast.com is where you go and catch up on the episodes you've missed. And the reason I say that is because the way I teach builds one on the next. And so you need the previous two to get what I'm getting ready to pour into you in this conversation. So our conversation for this part three is called giving God a great ROI, a great return on his investment in you. The thing I think so many of us forget 
is that God gave to us first. Oh, God was the first giver. So he's not asking you to do something he hasn't done. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now, that was one of the first Bible verses I learned when I was back in elementary school. <laughs> For God so loved the world. So God loved the world so much that he gave his son to us. So I wonder if you really have thought about that. Do you love anything enough to give your children to it, to give your child to it, to sacrifice your child for it so that it can redeem all of us? Have you really thought about that? I don't know if I would be generous enough to give my first child, even though I don't have any children of my own, but that's a huge, huge gift. And all God asks us to be is good stewards of all he's given to us. That's how we give God a great return on his investment. So again, God invests DNA in all of us when we're born. DNA is distinct natural ability. That's what I call it. And he's really careful and specific with how he gifted you. And because he gifted you so well, there's something you are phenomenal at. And all he asks you to do is give that back to him as a steward. Now listen, I looked up stewardship because you know, if you like me, I, I've been going to church since I was little. So in some of your stewardship, I think of tithing and I am talking about tithing as well because and I broke this down last episode, given that first fruit, again, God gave us his first fruit. So if you missed that, go back and watch that episode. I'm not going to go through that again, but what I do want you to get is stewardship. So stewardship means, and I'm getting re ready to read stewardship, the, the definition according to Webster, means the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So God entrusted three things to our care, three things. Now I've been talking about money. You guys know that that's treasure. God has entrusted money to us. And I really believe God is testing us when he gives us money to see if we're going to use it for the right reasons. I told you about the Bible verse that talks about money's the root of the love of money's the root of all evil. Are you going to use it to grow the kingdom or to grow your own wealth? So God is really testing us, I believe, when he gives us more profit. Will we do more and be more and grow for the kingdom? Are we going to use it for selfish reasons? Now, I'm not saying you can't take a vacation. I'm not saying you, can, you can't gift yourself something every now and then. I'm not saying that. But when that's your only focus, and when you have greed as your focus, and you're not focused on how you can move someone's life or business or career or family or whatever it is your purpose to do, how you can bless more people, then you're not being a good steward over your money and how you use it to do more or be more. The second area, the third we talk about all the time, but the second area is the area I think so many of us overlook is time. You know, we have 24 hours in a day. All of us have the same amount of time in a day. Why do you think some people get more things done in a day than others? Well, they're being a good steward of their time. Have you really realized that every single minute of a day is either a minute that you spend doing something great or you're wasting it? You're the building or you're wasting. So I want you to really, really look at your time and how you're being the steward of your time and how you're wasting your time. 
I know for me, I've had to really, really look at, listen, God called me into my purpose when I had, I had two jobs. I had two jobs and then I had my, well, I, just, I had three jobs. I used to say I had two daytime jobs to pay for my nighttime calling. Can I tell you that I'm busier now than I was then? So an excuse that I could make about why I didn't have time, how dare I tell God why I can't do something? It's up to me to make my time matter. Now, can I also tell you there's no such thing as work-life balance? You can't perfectly balance out your work and your life. That's just not real. But what you can do is get clear and uncompromising with how you're using your time. Next Bible verse is Ephesians 5, 16 that says, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Now, there are so many things that can come and stop you from doing the thing that you are purposed to do. Listen, I can talk about my days as a CEO. That when I have my email open and I'm trying to write, maybe I'm writing a blog, maybe I'm writing a chapter in my next book, and it could be both. Maybe I'm writing an article. If my, if my email is open and it pops up, it distracts me, which means I'm wasting my time because then I go over and start answering my email. Stop! How many of you guys spend hour upon hour upon hour in social media? Yeah, not a good use of your time. You've got to be a good steward of your time and be mindful of time wasters and time blockers. There are times that one of your girlfriends might call you in the middle of working on something. You've got to be a good steward of your time and realize, is it a good time to talk to her right now or him right now? I remember when I first started working from home, my husband used to call me all the time and I didn't answer the phone when he would call me. I would text him and say, what's up? So I had to train him how to be a good steward of my time. I had to show him <laughs> that I'm just not sitting here waiting to go pick up your dry cleaning. See, it's nobody else's business about your timing but you. When you die and go meet God, you can't tell, give God every excuse of why you didn't have time or why it wasn't the right time. Listen, there will never be a right time. God only calls you when you're busy. Don't believe me? Look at the disciples. Look at each of the disciples that Jesus called. All of them already had jobs already. They were already busy. So that means when God is calling you to do more, he's asking you to figure it out. You got 24 hours in a day. You got to sleep eight. Okay, so now that leaves what, 16 hours left? How are you using those 16 hours? Now, some of those you need to rest. Now, I'll be honest with you. I get up about five. I usually have about an hour of, of, of Jesus time in the morning, an hour of listening to and pouring into myself with a sermon about an hour. Then I get up, I work out. I then have 30 more minutes of Jesus journaling and, and sometimes reading my devotional, depending on how I'm feeling in my spirit time. And then I work, I work until 3 p.m. Now here's how I steward my time. From 3 to 5, I take a break. Why? Because I'm in here till 9 p.m. And I've learned that I need to take a nap. <laughs> so sometimes I lay on my bed and I don't nap. I might read something. I might watch something on TV. But I'm letting my mind rest for 30 minutes and giving my mind rest. 5 o'clock, I'm making dinner. I come in here at 6 to prepare for you. And if I'm not doing this with you, I have some call at 7. I'm saying that because I'm in here till 9 p.m. I've got to be a good steward. I make sure I spend time with my husband. That's that dinner time from 5 to 6, sometimes at 6.30, depending on what I have at 7. So I'm spending time with my husband. I'm spending time with me. I'm spending time with God, and I'm doing the work that he's called me to do. You've got 24 hours in a day. And I can go on and on about the way I spend the rest of my time. You've got to be a good steward with your time. So here's my challenge to you. I want you to look at tomorrow how you spend your eight hours of your day, at least eight, eight. And then when you get off of work, those of you that are still working 9 to 5, what do you do with the rest of the eight hours of your day? So when I finish here at 9 p.m., I take a bath every night, long, hot, wonderful bath. <laughs> 
And then I have another hour or so with my husband before I fall asleep. So I'm really conscious of how I spend my time because I want, when I die and get to me God face to face, I don't want him to say, girl, you wasted your time. So are you wasting yours? Are you doing things that are frivolous? Now, let me be clear. I need a pedicure once a month, sometimes twice a month. I need a massage. I need time with my girlfriends. My mom is here. I do stuff with my mom while she's here. But I'm mindful of what that block is and how I use that for my personal time. And it doesn't hinder me from the things I know I need to do as a CEO of my business or as the wife I am to my husband. And I go on and on and on. So you've got to be mindful of how you use your time. Are you a good steward of the time that God has given you? The last area. So we talked about treasure. We talked about time. The next is talent. You know, the number of people that I meet that overlook how God wired them. My foundational Bible verse to that is Jeremiah 29, 11. That says, for I know the plans I have for you. So if God knows the plans he has for you, you've got to use your time to be able to get it. You've got to use the resources, the supply that God has given you. And oftentimes you need more supply to do more of it. Do you get that? I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. I know the plans I have for you. God knew the plans he had for you before you were born. That's why he gave you that DNA. And all he asked you to do is be a good steward of it. Again, stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something. You've got to manage your time, your talent, and your treasure. Your time, your talent, and your treasure. They each are equally as important as, as the other because I can know what my purpose is. But if I don't make time to grow it or own it or, or actually cultivate it and begin to actually produce it, then it'll never save or help or do anything in this kingdom. If I don't then grow my profit, again, profit means gain. So that means that I'm serving all the people that need me. I see some of my clients are here. So as my clients gain, I gain. Need you to get this. So when one of my clients goes to serve all the people that need them, I'm equally gaining because it was me that imparted that knowledge to help them grow their business. So the more I grow me and grow my business, which takes money to do it, the more I'm gaining for the kingdom. So how are you being a good steward of your time, your talent, your treasure? To break it down even further for you, Many of you that have been here with me for a while, you know that God put in my spirit years ago, my mandate, which is Genesis 128. And really that mandate was a call of stewardship for Adam and Eve. Again, what does stewardship mean? It means the conducting, supervising, or managing of something entrusted to one's care. So what did God entrust to Adam and Eve's care? Genesis 128 says, then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion. And then he started listing all the things that have dominion over. But then in Genesis two, I think it's eight or nine. I didn't write this one down. God says he created a garden and put Adam in the garden. Now I really want you to understand this because this then again speaks to time, talent, treasure. Many of you that have been here, you know, I call this the DFM formula because what God calls us to do is have dominion. Dominion means complete authority. See, there's an arena that God has created you to have complete authority over. That arena is your expertise, the thing you're phenomenal at, 
that thing that is your purpose. It's no accident that you're good at certain things and have a natural propensity for some things. Oh, God did that on purpose for purpose. And in that purpose is where you have your dominion. Again, then God bless them. It said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, have dominion. How do you subdue something if you're not standing in the full power of it? And as I was digging and learning more and more about dominion years ago, probably about 10 years ago now, I was watching Beyonce on TV. And many of you guys know my last book that I wrote was called Find Your Fierce. Because as I was watching Beyonce, I would say I was hating on her a little bit, but I was having a full on jealous moment. Because <laughs> you need to understand, baby, if I could, if I could sing, <clears throat> Beyonce would have a run for her money because I could dance. Okay. I'm just saying. So with that, <laughs> I was having a full on jealous moment and God said, you know, you have fears too. I'm like, okay, I know this is not God talking to me while I'm watching Beyonce. And yet it was what he began to show me in that moment is Beyonce created that alter ego, Sasha fears at a time when God was calling her to advance and grow her gift in order for her to go after that gift, to be a good steward of that gift. She had to create an alter ego because this next level was scary. This next level was her solo career. She had been in a group. I'm sharing that with you because many of you are sitting in mediocre and in good enough. You won't do what it takes to grow your gift, which means you're not being a good steward of your dominion, your, your talent. The next call he says is to be fruitful. Fruitful means producing good results. How can you be fruitful if you're not managing your time? How do you produce good results when you're trying to grow a business alongside your nine to five? Because if you've been around me, you know that I always tell you don't quit because you need to spend money to make money. And so you need that nine to five in order to be able to pay your lights, your, your mortgage, your car note, you know, to be able to eat <laughs> while you're building your business. So if you're going to produce good results, how do you do that? If you're not willing to grow your gift, think about what fruitful is. Think about what fruit is. A fruit starts as a seed, like that DNA in you. In order for a seed to grow, it has to be watered. It doesn't just become fruit just on GP because I buy an apple seed. Ooh, I bought an apple seed and psh, I'm have an apple. Yeah, no, don't work like that. You got to water that seed in order for it to grow. Then you have to cultivate, meaning that there might be weeds that are growing that you've got to get out of there. There might be animals coming in your, in your crop that you've got to put some stuff around and get the animals and stop eating your, your crop before it grows. I can go on and on, but if you're going to produce good results, you've got to do the work and it takes time. I often tell, uh, I've said this on a Facebook live and I always want to say this in case some of you have been with me, but I want you to see how everything I'm sharing with you culminates in previous lessons I've taught you. There's a, a, a concept called seed time and harvest. You hear God talk about this over and over and over in the Bible. But seed time is not one word, it's seed, time, and then harvest. I think many of us don't put in the time or we don't make the time. We don't craft the time. We don't put the time in our calendar. We think, oh, this is too hard. I don't have time for that. Let me tell you, when I had a full-time job, I used to get up at 4 a.m. Did I like it? No. But I just got married. I had two bonus kids. I needed to feed them and do my business and go to work. And I had to make it work. I'm glad I did it now. I no longer have to wake up before him, although I'd still wake up at five and not that I want to. <laughs> God wakes me up every day about 4.35 a.m. now, but I'm used to it. I'm sharing that with you because it's up to you how you spend your time so that you can produce good results. 
How do you invest your time? And how do you even invest in your own gift? It speaks to multiply. How do you multiply your gift? So multiply means to increase greatly by number. So listen, if the only way you have in your business to serve the people that need you, you have to be present, then you're already capping off how much transformation you can provide. That means you're capping off how many people you can work with. That means you're capping off how much change you can make in this world. So you've got to understand the principles to multiply. This is what I call bankroll your breeze and really around having a blueprint. But even bigger than that, I need you to understand that when you multiply, you're a part of a system that's producing good fruit. So the more people I work with, the more of my clients that are out doing what they're called to do. So when I work with 10 people, that's 10 people times 10. When I work with 20, that's 20 people times 20. Do I need to keep going? So you've got to be clear that multiplication is how you get your gift out in the world to serve all the people that you're called to serve. Listen, if Jesus needed 12 disciples, he could have done it by himself. But God knew, just like the rest of us, that we need to be willing to multiply. And by having more people on his team, Jesus was able to do more. So what makes me think I don't need people on my team? Yeah, I have eight people on my team. And the more people I'm able to bring on my team, I got to pay them. Hello, that's profit. So the more money I make, the more people I can hire, which means the more we can serve our clients. And the better my level of service is when I have more people serving with me. So I really want you to spend some time and think about that. Think about how God has gifted you uniquely to be fruitful and multiply in the arena, the dominion that he's created you to serve in. How do you look at your time, your talent, your treasure so that you can do those three things? And where are some areas that you're not being fruitful or that you're not having dominion? Some of you are second guessing your treasure or excuse me, your talent, (laughs) treasure is money. You get second guessing that too. Some of you don't realize that you have a lack mindset. Oh, this was me for years because the neighborhood I'm from in no way prepared me for the place that God has put me into now. And oh, and I'm not done yet. And so the biggest lesson I've had to learn is that your comfort and your conviction can never coexist. If I'm going to grow my time, my talent, my treasure, it's not going to be comfortable and it's not going to be easy, but it's always going to be worth it. It's like that stretch. Now I'm a shopper. So the example I always like to give is, you know, I buy a new pair of shoes, especially when they're by some expensive designer. They might feel okay in Nordstrom. They might feel okay in Bloomingdale's when I try them on. But baby, when I get that good stretch in them, when I get that good stretch in them, it's a whole different experience, right? (laughs) So it's the same thing with your gift. You've got to get a good stretch. So it's not about who you already are. It's about who you have not yet become. How do you up level your serve? How do you multiply and increase and do more so that you can produce more good results and have even greater dominion? That's all God asks of each of us. So as we end, let me give you, I'm going to give you a little homework, but I want to end with this Bible verse. It's first Thessalonians 4, 11 through 12, which says, do your best to live a quiet life. Learn to do your own work. Well, by the way, one version says minding your own business, right? I love that. Learn to do your own work. Well, we, 
we told you about this before. By doing this, you will be respected by those who are not Christians. Then you will not be in need and others will not have to help you. But the thing I love about this, and this is Paul speaking to the church at Thessalon- Thessalonica, I think is how you say it. As he's saying to these people that do your best to live a quiet life. I mean, it's none of anybody else's business, but you and God to do the thing you're called to do. Learn to do it well. Again, none of nobody's business. Again, one verse says, minding your own business. <laughs> I love that. We told you about this before. Like this is the first time you heard this. By doing this, you will be respected by those who are not Christians. Now, here's the interesting part. As many people are being condemned for being Christians. And at the end of the day, I want you to really, really get this. If your light is shining, Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine among men and women that they may see your good work and glorify your father in heaven. It's not you talking the talk that's going to let them see the God in you. It's you living the life and doing the work that lets your light shine. If I give you an example of this, years ago, I was working for a uh, organization and I was an intern for the summer. I was working for the vice president, creating uh, content, producing programming. And the president's assistant was an atheist. And I, she knew I was a Christian and she knew I, my business was my ministry. And she one day said to me, don't come here talking about God. Well, I hadn't done that yet. Not that I would. Because that's not how I, I am a witness. I let my life be a witness. So I didn't tell her that. I just didn't say anything. So I remember one day uh, she tells me, and we had formed a friendship over time because we worked together so much. I'm working with the vice president and she's working with the president. Our offices are next to each other. So we talked a lot. So I remember, you know, she said, you know what? And mind you, I was in grad school. So everything I had was like in grad school. Y'all know some of you guys remember being in grad school. But anyway, so I had an old computer and it kept crashing. And she said, bring your computer to work. And it was a laptop. Bring your computer to work and I'll upgrade it for you. Okay. So she's going to upgrade it, put up, uh, upgraded uh, Microsoft Office on it for me. So I bring my computer to work. I put my computer under my desk as we were going to lunch one day. We go to lunch or we go to a meeting off site. We come back and it's the vice president's team and the president. It's like four of us all go out. We come back and somebody stole my computer. And so I said, oh, well, God bless me with that one. He'll bless me with another one. And I sit there and keep working. And she's stressing out. She's losing her mind. And I, I'm like, oh, well, God bless me with that one. He'll bless me with another one. As soon as I finish saying that sentence, the vice president walks out with a new computer in its box, never open. And she said, here, Nicole, you can have this laptop. So the woman says, okay, wait a minute. I need to know about this God. I, I need you to sit down and talk to me about this God. And I'm sharing that with you because literally my life was an example, not my talking, but my living. Is your living in vain? Are you being a good steward of your talent, your time, your treasure? That's all God asks. And that's how we give God a great return on his investment in each of us. So break this down even further. Here's your homework. I want you to read those of you that haven't and those of you that are with me. I talk about this parable all the time because this is a great example of multiplies the parable of the talents, which is in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Now, I often only talk about the money that got increased. But what's so interesting is that it's called the parable of the talents. So as you read this, I want you to look past the money example it's talking about. I want you to think about the time and the talent piece as well and how this speaks to your soul. All of us are different. All of us have different journeys. Again, the Bible verse says, do your best to live a quiet life. 
Meaning it's your business, not everybody else. You don't need to be telling everybody your business. <laughs> but your life will be an example because your light will shine like it did for that woman in that office on that one day. And I had the opportunity to tell her about my God because she offered it. Even if you think of Jesus as our ultimate example, you never saw Jesus walking around going, you know, I'm the son of God, right? He didn't walk around and trying to tell people about God. He would hang out with people. And then they would say, hmm, there's something different about you. And then he would say, oh, it's my father in heaven. So he would wait until the space was made again. He would let his light shine. And he did that through his time, his talent, and his treasure. Every, you know, there are over, out of 38 parables in the Bible, do you know 16 of the parables that Jesus told, the stories Jesus told were about money? So obviously money's important. Us understanding how to be good stewards of it are important. But even as we're being good stewards of our money, it's how we use our time around that money and our treasure that will make the difference. We're going to stop here and take a quick commercial break and we'll be back for more. Hello, highly skilled professional. Yes, I'm talking to you. Whether you have a desire to start a business alongside your nine to five, or you've already started a business and you're ready to make predictable revenue. See, I've created something to support you and it's called the Brilliance Roadmap Quiz. And guess what? It's free. Learn more about it at brilliancerodemapquiz.com. See, taking this assessment ask you some specific questions that will assess where you are in the journey. And then from there, you'll be invited into a five part training again for free that will give you the tools you need to move from where you are into the next steps to start or grow your purpose focused business right now. You ready? Learn more and get started today by going to brilliancerodemapquiz.com. So we ended part one talking about, again, giving God, giving God a great return on investment. I ended part one with giving you a little homework. And it's fine if you haven't done it yet. <laughs> and that is to read the parable of the talents, which is found in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. Now, the greatest lesson that I believe that I've learned, and I believe we all can learn from the parable, and I'm not going to summarize this, so go read it. But the thing that's interesting in it, as you read it, and many of you know this story, of the parable of the talents is really the difference between those who have strategy and those that don't. So let me give you a little context. I'm not going to tell you the whole story. Well, I kind of am. I'm going to give you the cliff note version, but go read it. So you get the whole thing. So there's a boss and he has three employees in the scripture. The reason I was hesitant is it calls it, they call them servants. I don't like the word servant. <laughs> so I say employees, they call it talents. Interesting that it calls it talents, but it's really money. And he gives a certain amount to the first employee, a certain amount to the second, and a certain amount to the third. And he says, listen, I'm going away. Hold this for me. I'll be back. The first one invests and makes three times. The second invest makes two times. The, the third one digs a hole in the ground and just sits it in there. Again, the difference between those who have strategy and those that don't. The first two had strategy. The last one was lazy. He just sat it and did nothing with it. And so ultimately, what God is looking at is what strategy are you using over three arenas that he's giving us to steward, which is your time, your talent, and your treasure. See, it's in those three places that we give God a great return on investment. So when we look at this, I'm going to give you a couple of examples from the Bible. Adam is one. From the beginning, God had given, well, he gave it to all of us. He's given all of us dominion. I talked about that in part one. 
And it's from that dominion that God provides for us. Genesis 2.15 says, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and keep it. See, God called Adam to work and keep the garden. Basically, God commanded Adam to take care of things on his behalf. That was his call, his purpose. And as Adam did, if he did do it, if Eve didn't get away, which is a whole nother conversation in and of itself, <laughs> as Adam would do what God instructed him to do, God will provide. See, we can see that God had a good purpose for providing for Adam, but again, Eve stepped in the way. So if I give you another example, it's Joseph. You know, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor dream cult. I think Joseph is probably one of the best examples of stewardship. And by the way, because it is about you being a good steward, let me give you the definition of stewardship again that I shared in part one. So stewardship is, and this is from Webster. I'm not right. This is not the definition by Nicole Roberts-Jones. <laughs> stewardship is the conducting, supervising, or managing of something, especially the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. The careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. So the garden was entrusted to Adam's care, and he listened to Eve over God. Mm -hmm. Joseph. After Joseph was brought to Egypt, now a little context to the background, Joseph had this dream that he was going to rule over his brothers and kind of save his family. because And so his brothers are haters. I'm giving you the cliff note version again. And decided, oh, we're going to get rid of him. Oh, he think he bad. Oh, and by the way, Joseph was his, was his father's favorite. So they sold him into slavery. What they didn't know is they were setting Joseph up to be blessed. So after Joseph was brought to Egypt, long story short, the Lord made Joseph successful. So while Joseph was in the house of Potiphar, the king of Egypt, the ruler of Egypt, in Genesis 3, 39, 4, it says, So Joseph found favor in his sight, talking about Potiphar, and attended to him. And Potiphar made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. had. Joseph didn't own Potiphar's house. He didn't own the furnishings. He wasn't responsible for, but excuse me, he was responsible for generating income. See, that was a stewardship that Potiphar gave to Joseph over everything he owned. Again, referring back to stewardship's definition, the careful and responsible management of something entrusted to one's care. See, Joseph was the manager of Potiphar's household. And you can see why Joseph is a perfect example of what it means to be a steward, because not only was he a good manager, but because he was a good manager, he was able to bless other people with it. Hello's purpose. Y'all heard me talk about this. God's ultimate goal is that he gives us purpose to make profit for us, which is gain, but it's also to profit the world, those that need you and are waiting for you. The final example I want to share here is Moses. Again, God owns everything. I talked about this last week. Now, as the owner of everything, what God does <laughs> is he always makes provision for us. So Leviticus 25, 1 through 5, and this is God speaking to Moses, and this is what he says. This is God speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai. He says, again, talking to Moses, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, so this is God instructing Moses, when you come into the land which I give you, then the land shall keep a Sabbath to the Lord. Six years you shall sow your field, and six years you shall prune your vineyard and gather its fruit. But in the seventh year, that shall be a Sabbath of solemn rest 
for the land, a Sabbath to the Lord. You shall neither sow your field nor prune your vineyard. What grows of it, excuse me, what grows of its own accord of your harvest, you shall not reap, nor shall the grape of your un untended vine, for it is a year of rest for the Lord. Now, here's what I want you to get out of that passage. The Lord told Moses to let the people farm pretty much for six years, but to have them take a break, make them take a break on the seventh year. And I know you're like, okay, so what's this got to do with stewardship? Listen, from this passage, we see God assigns us to take care of a certain arena. And when we do well with what he has given to us, he gives back to us. That's the reward. That's the seventh year where he says to pretty much to Moses, you will reap what you sow. If you do the work I've given you, I'm going to give you a whole year off and let you just bask in the glory of what you've produced. As it says in Galatians 6, 7 and 8, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the spirit will of the spirit reap everlasting life. So in essence, God is watching to see what we produce from what he has given to us. Now we're going to dig into this even further as we talk about the topic next week. Put some respect on it. I should say put some respect on it. Those of you that know where I got that from. <laughs> the goal is this. When we are good stewards over the arena God has created each of us to dwell in, that is how God will, will give us a great reward. And literally, it's how we give first God a return on his investment. And then as God is pleased, he rewards us. And the Bible gives us example after example after example of how God's going to reward us in heaven for the good works that we've done here on earth. To give you one example, Colossians 3, 23 through 24. I've read this in another episode. And whatever you do, do it heartily as a Lord, as to the Lord, excuse me, and not to men. Let me start that over. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord. So I want you to really think about with your time, your talent and your treasure, Treasure being money, talent being your purpose, time being your time. <laughs> are you being a good steward? Do you have strategy to assure you are fruitful in each area? Because each of those are needed in order for you to be the answer God has called you to be in this world. Your time is needed, your talent is needed, and your treasure is needed. And if you're falling short in any of those areas, by the way, I guarantee you it's because you do not have strategy. What I've found as I meet women, no matter if you have a corner office, a PhD behind your name, whatever it is, is many of you just do whatever, whenever, however. You're not being strategic with every piece of your time, your talent, your treasure. And then my last question is, how are you moving your purpose forward to give God a great return on his investment in you? Again, are you being a good steward? Do you have strategy to assure you're fruitful in all three of those areas? And how are you moving your purpose forward? So again, I want to hear from you as we talk about God's ROI and giving him a great one. So, you know, all you got to do is raise your hand and come on up. In the meantime, we'll hear from Yolanda. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Churchwell, and I am the system. We can't hear you, Yolanda. Can you hear me now? There you go. Okay. Good morning. My name is Yolanda Churchwell, and I am the system solutionist. I help women entrepreneurs take the hassle out of their hustle so they can make more money and have more free time. It must just be a parable week because I've been all in the parables and um, I'm going to start with the parable of talents where Nicole left off. And it is so it is so important to remember that these apply to every aspect of our life. 
So we're talking about business and we're talking in general, but remember your business can never grow bigger than you do. So make sure you're looking into the personal aspect and how you need to um, get these same lessons I'm going to share with you. So one, God gave us all. He trusts us with blessings. The desires that he puts in your heart, that means that he trusts you. So he doesn't give us all the same thing because his trust level with each one of us is based upon what he knows about us and what we've been doing. So if you want to have more, you need to prove yourself trustworthy. Okay. Number two, God expects us to use our gifts wisely. Okay. Don't squander things. Um, make sure that you are being the good employee. You are being the good person. You are using what he's giving you to do your best to multiply it so that when he comes in and does that multiplication factor, it can be even bigger than what you thought. Know that number three, favor is not fair. Even if we all were to be all that we could be and God saw, favor is not fair. So when you see someone getting something that you think that's yours, you don't know what they went through to get that. Thank God for what you have and know that your harvest is coming. Your harvest will be based upon who you are and what fits in your life. Don't allow envy or jealousy to steal your blessing. Comparison is the thief of joy. That was biblical before Facebook came in the world. Number four, we're going to be held accountable. We're going to have to tell God why we did what we did. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, you got to be able to answer for what you've done. And last but not least, it brings it back to my first point. We have to grow. We have to grow in the Lord first and foremost. And the way that we grow, we grow with, we grow in Him will determine how we grow in everything else. Um, and I was talking on my Facebook Live the other day about the parable of the ten virgins, which is also in Matthew chapter twenty-five, one through thirteen. It's not enough to just do what you're supposed to do. You need to be ready, stay ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. The five virgins that didn't have enough oil, because we never know what God is going to do. You can't put him on a time schedule. Again, what you think and when it's going to happen is two different things. They say he may not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Make sure when he does come, you're ready. Make sure that you have your resources. Make sure that you're ready to go. Those five that didn't have enough oil, they got left outside and didn't get to enjoy the rewards. Don't do all the work. And then because you're not in a place where you can stay ready, you don't have a strategy that will help you to stay ready. You don't have the systems that will help you to stay ready that you miss out on the blessing. Don't do the work and then get left behind because you can't sustain it and maintain it. And that's all I have today. So good. So good. So again, let me just, she, listen, Yolanda always drops uh, nuggets. Favor isn't fair. Now here's what I, I love about that statement is oftentimes when you see someone else getting favor, you think it's not fair because you think you're supposed to have their favor. When God has favor with your name on it, that's not going to look like hers or his. It's so important that you stop looking at everything and everybody else and get clear on the path that God has carved for you. I often say this to my clients, you know, we're looking at everybody else's, uh, you know, real, meaning that we're not seeing the behind the scene things they did before they got into the real or on the show or on the stage. We're seeing all the things that that are the culmination of the work they've done, but you don't see all that they've gone through. So using Joseph for an example, when he got into the palace, he's first or second in command rather, but all they had to go through to get to that point 
Even David, as an example, and I use the Bible as, as an example, was it basic instructions for living on earth? I forgot. I always forget that acronym, but it is. Listen, the Bible is meant to be a textbook for life, which is why on our conversations, I dig into it. And what you hear is my Bible study time. <laughs> I ask God, what should I teach? And he gives it to me to study. And then I realize that I'm not going to end up teaching it. I don't realize I'm going to end up teaching it when I study it. But I really want you to get this. It's all ultimately going back to you reap what you sow. When you take the time to grow in time, talent, and treasure, and you do what it takes, I love that Yolanda said you, you can't put God on a schedule. You never know. You never know when he's going to come. That's why you being a good steward over all three, you can't say, oh, I'll do that tomorrow. Don't be lazy today. There's plenty of times to be honest with you, especially in this new having to work out because I'm in menopause, mm, perimenopause. Hello, somebody having to work out extra now. So I'm going to keep my, my body right and tight because I'm vain. Yes, but also because I want to be able to do all the things God has called me to do and have the energy to do it because of that. I'm tired half the time because of the workouts that I have to do. But I cannot say, Lord, I'm tired. I, I can't tell God when I get to meet him face to face. Well, I was tired during that time frame, so I didn't do that. Mm -mm. I've got to be willing to do whatever it takes. If I got to take an extra vitamin or drink an extra cup of coffee or whatever that is, so that I could be a good steward over all that God has given to me. Even being a steward over my body, dare I say, is what I'm doing as I'm adding in the extra. So with that, good morning, Miss Linda. Welcome, welcome. Got to take your uh, microphone off. Unmute yourself <laughs> so we can hear you. So maybe, let me see if I can unmute her. Maybe she has left the building. She raised her hand. So with that, you know, our goal in these conversations is really to help you navigate where you are. These conversations are not for who you already are. There's a level of you that you're complete. That version of you is done. Great. I applaud you. And I'm serious. I do applaud you. But I'm looking for what's next for you. Who have you not yet become? What's that next goal, that next milestone, that next area that God wants you to develop? That is what I'm coming for. That's that stewardship. That's that growth. That's that stretch that you've got to get into so that you can be ready when God comes. I often say, listen, when Oprah calls me by the grace of God, I can't say, sorry, girl, I'm not ready. She will move on to the next. I've got to be ready. So in the same vein, my question to you, and I want to support you, if you feel like you need help in those three areas, let's talk about it. Whether it's here live, whether you come next week, I want you to really take some time and really look at where do you feel like you are in deficit? Because it's not just about you. It's about who God has created you to be and all the people that are assigned to you as their answer. Because every day when you play small, every day when you don't push yourself, every day you don't grow, you're holding up somebody's answered prayer. So with that said, I want to thank you for joining us for this conversation. Can you I hear me now? There you are. Yes, I yeah. can. Hi, Linda. Okay. I, I, was, I thought it was me. Hi, good morning. I want to thank um, Yolanda just, just kept on a lot of things that I wanted to say. But I want to add this in terms of our, you know, about the profit. Uh, one of the things, and you talk about us being a return on our, on God's investment. Um, one of the things he says in 1 Corinthians 4, 2 is moreover is required in stewards that we be found faithful. So one of the things about being faithful with our money, with our possessions, with our talents is for us to grow them and to grow him. And he wants us to grow our profit. A lot of people um, think it's not holy for us to grow profit, want to grow in profit, but 
That's how we're going to be his distribution centers. That's how we're going to carry out his kingdom purpose, that we can have the funds to implement the kingdom purposes that he wants. And in Isaiah 48, 17, he states, thus saith, uh, thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord thy God, which teaches thee to profit, which leadeth thee by the way. So that means that he does want us to have strategies and ways to increase. And that's why the parable um, about the 10 talents is imp and so important that he wants us to, God is a God of increase. And so one of the things he wants us to do to be good stewards is to what? Maximize or increase the money or the possessions under our control. That's part of, of him telling us to dominate. And why? So we can do his kingdom purpose and that we be excellent in all that we do uh, so that we can carry out his purposes. So we can do um, plant seeds where he wants us to, to build up and to be faithful with. And that's, and he wants us to build up our talents and skills so that they may increase and um, that we may use them to his glory in our time. So I, my name is Linda and I yield the mic. Thank you, Linda. And what Linda summarizes exactly everything I said in part one, when we talked about the principle of multiply. Multiply, taken from Genesis 128, means to increase greatly in number. Think about what that means. Even the word profit. Listen, if you look up the word profit in the dictionary, it means to gain. So when you're gaining, again, if you're looking at money for the right reason, and I talked about this in part one of this series, there's a Bible verse that says the love of money is the root of all evil. So it's not money is not evil. It's the love of it. What are you focused on? Are you focused on gaining for God or gaining for you? Are you focused on gaining for all the people that need you? With ultimately is why God put you down here. He put you on assignment. He gave you a gift to be here on assignment because there are people that need you. Are there other people that do what you do? Yes, but nobody does it like you. That's why there can be a dentist on every corner <laughs> and yet there'll be one dentist that I absolutely love and one you'll absolutely love. That's why there could be a church on every corner and there'll be a pastor or a congregation that feels totally aligned to you and one that totally feels aligned to me. And so your gift is needed or else you wouldn't be here. So thank you for that, uh, Yolanda and Linda. Thank you for that, Linda. Thank you for each of you joining us. And really, you know, God is a God of increase. He wants you to increase. And the more you increase in your time and your talent and your treasure, the more the kingdom increases here on earth. So are you living on assignment? Or are you just on autopilot? Are you living an average or mediocre? Or are you going after the extraordinary life, the abundantly above all that God has created for you to do or to be? Thank you for joining us for today's episode of the Faith Purpose Profit Podcast. Now I want you to walk away from these episodes with value. So I want you to write down the answers to one of these questions. Number one, what was your greatest takeaway? Number two, what will you do different as a result of what you heard? You may have heard something you've heard before, or you may have learned something new. Either way, don't take the insight that you got for granted. I want you to commit to doing one thing different as a result of what you heard. And then I want you to share it. Share your takeaways in our Facebook group. Go to thebrilliancetribe.com and use the hashtag FPP podcast. Now, the last thing I want to ask you to do, if you got any value out of this episode is to share it with your community. Post it on social media. Tell people to join our conversation by going to fpppodcast.com. 
Now, until the next time, be extraordinary, be unapologetic, be bodaciously all that God created you to be as you connect your faith with purpose so that as you be the answer you were born to be in this world, God can give you the profit you deserve as a gift for a job well done.